What's up, everybody? Hope you're having an amazing week. It's me and Austin Kroll here at Pillows and Beer. We love when you join us. We continue to do this every week, and uh, it's only made possible by you guys. So, what's up, Austin? What's up, buddy? You ready for hey, today? I gotta tell you about this. What? I said, are are you ready for today? I'm kind of nervous slash excited. I know. I've been listening to. I'm sure it's not new because I'm always behind on music. But I've been listening to that new song, Stay, with Justin Bieber, and it's just like getting me really jacked up. I know exactly why you're listening to it. I don't even have to fucking ask you. I know exactly why you're listening to it. I know exactly who has been playing that song on, on, on a lot of their posts. Wait, and, the last time, and the last time that she played a song, too, you were obsessed with that Machine Gun Kelly song. Oh, I don't even know what you're talking about, but I just love the sound of it. So maybe you don't have to tell me later. Or yeah. <laughs> Stay is a great song, dude. Um, yeah, I've just been like pumped up. Okay, hold on a minute. Pest Control just walked in. Oh, it's okay. All right, Mr. Pest Control, just waltz on in. How many monster rehabs are too many monster rehabs? For the in, in, in one Probably day? Three. Yeah, I'm gonna drink another one. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I've grown up watching Shark Tank. I remember when I was in entrepreneurship class in at College of Charleston, it had just come out because it was based off a British show called Dragon's Lair or Dragon's Den. Um, and so the Americanized version was Shark Tank. And I, uh, I started to watch with my dad. And uh, it's just been a really – and even my mom. And it's just been – Kind of a staple in our household and the fact that we're going to be talking to one of the you know original and you know i mean they're all popular but you know it's damon john one of the main sharks is going to be really exciting kind of nervous yeah. i mean i certainly have been watching this show for ages i don't watch it all the time because to be totally honest it gives me a little bit of like anxiety right because sometimes these guys will go up there and they just flop and so like the secondhand embarrassment for me can sometimes just, just crush me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy is crashing and burning and you know, and what is happening. But sometimes it's really, really cool to look back at clips of um, companies that have taken off and companies that, that you know they're fighting over and this and that. So I'm I'm stoked. I, I mean, I am gonna sit back and listen to the Maestro talk about. The updates are really inspiring. Like when they show like, oh, let's see what's happening now with chicken and waffles. Like, you know, and they're like, right. and they made like, we did a million dollars in sales in the last few months since being on Shark Tank. And you're like, chicken and guys. waffles. Was that a, was that a company? No, I was thinking of the grilled cheese. <laughs> the grilled cheese company took off. Um, it's like chicken and waffles is your favorite restaurant in the Atlanta airport. No, that's and, chicken and beer. <clears throat> yeah, chicken and beer. Damon's one of my favorite because he's not, he's never an asshole unless the people are like, really rude like the bird dog one where he's just like dude just get out of here like i don't want you here anymore but like sometimes mark will get like testy with him when he gets annoyed that they don't know their shit or like you know mr wonderful can be a little bit condescending but he's never too mean but definitely um i feel like Lori can also be a pain yeah yeah but damon's just you know he seems like a really chill guy and yeah honestly do you know anything about Damon? Have you ever listened to his like podcast or stories? Um, I have been reading up on him more and more. Uh, I was just knew kind of like offhandedly that he had created FUBU 
and that he's a business mogul and obviously just kind of watching him and, and, and on Shark Tank to see kind of where he's, where, where he's gone to, right? So, so he came from nothing and now to see him on Shark Tank, he's a well-dressed and well-spoken man. It's all, uh, it's all uh, pretty inspiring to be honest. Yeah, it's really cool, and it kind of gives hope to being like, you know, well, you know, some people are like, well, anyone can do it if they had money to start or whatever, but most of the sharks on Shark Tank had nothing when they started, and you're like, all right, so why not me? You know, like, sure. if they can do it, but it just seems like such a hard, it seems like a faraway land to get where they are, but like, I don't know, it'll be fun to ask them about that, like, how is it? How do you not get intimidated by like, you know, how far off this success may feel or seem? And I'm sure the, you know, he's going to say, you got to just start putting your one foot in front of the other. You just have right. to start. Right. I, I mean, you probably just need like a small corner of people that, you know, believe in you. And, and, and that seems like, like, like where he came from. But then again, I don't, I don't know the whole thing. So I'm definitely interested well, to hear <clears throat> everything he used to say. We've, uh, on a different note, we've both been traveling a little bit. What kind of fun things have you been doing in Charleston as our weather has heated up? And, uh, I mean, we're in the, the heart of summer now. Almost, I, mean, I guess, back out. I mean, yeah. I, summer's over. <laughs> I mean, it's not, but but it, it's it's getting there. And Charleston is, is hotter than ever. I I haven't been in Charleston that much on weekends, you know. I've, I've, I've been going from Charlotte to, to Atlanta. You know, just kind of everywhere, I guess. Just like trying, trying to be on the move, and 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 the rest of this month heading into September with the weddings and things that we have to go to, Craig, is much of the same. I mean, I am on the move. I feel like yeah, it'll be fun. We have a wedding in Aspen in September. We have a wedding in New Jersey. Um, back you know, to back but, weekends. <laughs> yeah, the one thing that I don't do in Charleston enough, and it's just sad, is golf. And like one day, I just need to make it a like a goal to start golfing more. Yeah, I, it's one of those things too. Where and the people listening are like, "Really, guys? You have you have all the free time in the world, and you're sitting here saying that?" And I live on a golf course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I don't do enough is more leisure uh, activities like golf. But but it does. It almost seems like a chore, right? Because because it's like a four hour thing, and sometimes you just like don't really think about it but i i did just play out on kiowa i played so terribly craig i i have to say i played so so poorly that i was like i'm not gonna play again until i get a lesson i mean like it, this is it, why i don't golf yeah 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 it like was almost just like a disheartening thing i was like oh my gosh austin you just played so awfully like double bogey <laughs> the whole day i was like this sucks this sucks and i suck so Golf, another, I'm quitting you. I'm quitting you for the next foreseeable future. We're done. Another one I feel guilty about. This is this is a sin. Uh, I haven't felt the sand this year. I haven't gone to the beach once. Wow. And in Charleston. I, that is a sin. I, see, I've been out to Sheps a few times. And like when we go out to Sheps, you know, we chill on the beach because it's just right there. And and that is basically the only times that I've been on the beach too. A boat, Craig? I've been on a boat this year like like twice. Yeah, I've been on a boat like I've been on a boat a couple times, but not I mean, we really should 
you know, Shep and I just don't talk like we used to ever, but we still enjoy seeing each other for for some, you know, for a little bit. And uh, I think that would be nice to go out to his house and chill on the beach. It's, I think that's it's nice, a- man. You know, it's nice to get out of you know Mount P for you, out of out of downtown for me. And I got Shep's and and we chill on the beach and 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 there's always like a little crew you know taylor tony you know whoever the hell else is out there and uh uses outdoor shower maybe maybe go to home team out there i don't know it's always nice and and so that's 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 the only time that i've been on the beach really and then and then i've been out to kiwa uh a couple times yeah well i uh maybe we (laughs) i guess now we it's recorded you know the things that we think we should do more so maybe we'll try to check one of these off the box and uh or check one of these boxes and you know we'll let let you guys know how it goes but i know that in the next few weeks we're both traveling a lot uh which is exciting you know i really i think i'm happiest when i'm on the move um you know i love charleston and i love being there i love being there with the store and my friends but if i'm there for too many days in a row in the summer it seems like i start definitely get down i'm uh I'm going to the Hamptons this weekend, and then I'm going to Hawaii, Craig. So I'm going to have to do a podcast from Hawaii. And honestly, with all these variants and everything happening, I mean, did you see that Charleston is now um, mandating masks in in you know public buildings and whatnot? No way. Yeah. <clears throat> so Charleston is, has, has gone back into COVID protocols, and I just read something about Hawaii. And honestly, this whole month kind of leading up, I was like, I know it, man. I have never seen more Instagram posts from Hawaii in the past like three to six months and i'm like something's gonna happen and i just saw that's a bummer like you know hawaii is um mandating some things and 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 it's just to jump through a bunch of hoops to go so um if i make it there we we uh i will be recording a podcast from well hopefully do because that's just you know if it was just me or you going on a trip somewhere we could just reschedule it sometime but like your whole family's going and that's a big big like move kind of like to move that somewhere else um yeah i mean and look this is why so i almost threw a chair you know off the balcony uh when i saw the BravoCon thing but ah uh, right but, i know guys trust me austin and i uh, the bravo the bravo celebrities are just as sad as everyone else because we look forward to this um and we had so much stuff planned too, Craig. It was going to be so fun. Like, like I'm pretty sure that Craig and I were going to do like a live podcast. Yeah, and, and like a winter house panel and a winter uh, house panel party. And but look, this is, this is how Amanda kind of calmed me down. Like my partner Amanda, because she goes, "Well, look, Craig. Here's kind of what happens." Is she goes from an event company standpoint, it's very difficult to plan an event to this stage where they'd have to rent you know, all the buildings and like pay all of us and stuff when you don't know what the government's going to do. And I was like, that makes more sense. She's like, we don't know what the fuck's going to happen. So we, uh, we actually did what we were supposed to do, Austin. So we, no one can say that we're part of the, the problem. That's right. We vaccinated and Quickly, early on too. And, uh, Gavin, what a bummer. Yeah. I, I totally forgot about that before you just brought that up because a lot of people have reached out and have been like, no, Bravo con. And I've seen a lot of, you know, fan accounts and whatnot, or, you know, Bravo accounts that have posted. And I'm like, man, this, this just took the wind out of a lot of people's sails. And once again, we didn't have one in 2020. We are not going to have one in 2021. It's just like, what a hiatus that we're going through. I, I, 
I, I yeah, it's just a bummer. That's all. It's just just a bummer. I forgot that we didn't have one last year either. So, yeah. um, so the only one that we've had is is 2019. Well, we miss you guys, and if you want to visit, come to come to Charleston. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, yeah, I'm really pumped. I mean, without further ado, I feel like we should jump right into this. What do you think, Austin? That's right. Without further ado, right? Yeah. Damon John. Nick is uh, Damon all squared away. We are good to go. So I think that everyone knows that I enjoy a nice glass of wine, especially like right now while I'm recording this podcast with Craig, who disagrees with every single thing that comes out of my mouth. Now, I'm no expert. I like what I like, but I also love trying new varieties. Wines my local stores just don't carry. That's why I use Vivino. I don't agree with a single thing that Austin does in his life, except for Vivino. It's really put a challenge in our life now because now we have something in common. We don't know how to handle that. But listen, this thing that's brought me and Austin together is the world's biggest online wine marketplace. Vivino is also the largest online wine community with 50 million users who have rated and reviewed just about every wine they have. Vivino carries all my favorites. I'm a huge red drinker plus Savi B. Austin knows that. And some rosé. I love me some rosé. Love me some Savi B. And love me some Cab and some Pinot. You love everything. I do. I just love wine. But listen, Vivino... They suggest exciting personalized recommendations based on my taste. I never knew those wines existed, especially the ones that I've found recently. And now I know even more about what I like thanks to Vivino, and I'm kind of a wine snob. I'm not going to blame it on Vivino, but now they've allowed me to become, I don't know, maybe I just shock people with my wine knowledge. What do you think, Austin? I think you're an idiot. Their app has everything you need to know about wine and so much more right in your hand. You can see all the ratings and reviews. You can leave your own and, of course, even buy wine. My favorite thing to do is to scan a bottle when I'm shopping in a store and seeing what Vivino's users say about it. I'm a huge fan of wine, and my taste is not restricted to one type. So it's really what I'm feeling. So sometimes I'm feeling a nice glass of Savvy B. Sometimes it's a bottle of rosé, and that is the lighter side. When When I'm drinking at dinner, I want something heavier. I typically go to the cab but sometimes I'll go lighter to Pinot. I really just like what I want in the moment. And that is a lot of things. So Vivino just makes it so, so easy because they have a huge selection. There's such an ease of shopping and it just has my favorite wines that I want to try every day. He used to do everything I would do. And then now he has his own free spirited wine ordering self. Anyway, look, if you want to be more like me in Austin, at least how we drink wine, because you know we drink a lot of it. But Quality Rhine, we've really stepped up our wine game thanks to Vivino. I think you should give them a try, and I know you're going to love it. To go to vivino.com slash pillowsandbeer and use code pillowsandbeer at checkout to save 20% on your first order up to $200. That's vivino.com, V-I-V-I-N-O.com slash pillowsandbeer. Code pillowsandbeer to save 20% on your first order of up to $200. Vivino.com slash pillowsandbeer. Code pillows and beer. See site for details. Terms apply. 20% off your first order. We're partnering with Vincero and are super stoked. Vincero is, is a premier maker of men's and women's accessories. These guys sell everything from watches to sunglasses, bracelets, and wallets, all available for under $200. Vincero knows just how important it is to look and feel your best, and they're here to help keep us looking good wherever we go. 
Craig and I love these because, because whether we are filming or going to events, we are always changing styles to fit the situation. And the best part about Vincero is the price. I can get five great looking watches for the price of one premium brand watch. I am currently looking at either the men's Chrono S in matte black or the Icon Automatic in gunmetal. Or who knows, I just might get both. Right now, Vincero is running a site-wide sale to celebrate their seventh anniversary. This will not only be the biggest sale of the year, but the biggest sale in Vincero history. Up to 30% off site-wide, no code required, your discount will be automatically applied at checkout when you visit vincerowatches.com slash pillows. That's vincero, V-I-N-C-E-R-O, watches.com slash pillows. Everything on site is on sale, no exclusions, including all four of their all new collections are available. Vincero is loved by some of your favorite entrepreneurs, athletes, and of course, podcast hosts like us. And we love our Vincero watches. Vincero understands the frustrations of online shopping. These guys get it, and that's why they make it as easy as possible for you. Every purchase automatically comes with a five-year warranty and a 365-day return policy. It's honestly stress-free shopping with fair and honest prices. That's why Vincero has over 30,000 five-star reviews from verified customers that you can read for yourself on their site. They think that you deserve the best and they are here to prove that they are the best. Elegantly crafted and fairly priced, Vincero has a bold collection guaranteed to elevate your look. Go to V-I-N-C-E-R-O collective.com forward slash pillows. Support our show and head over to their website right now and get yourself a timepiece. Go to our link for up to 30% off plus free shipping. The one and only Damon John. He's the co-founder and CEO of FUBU, co-host slash investor of the hit reality TV show of Shark Tank and most recently released an Audible original called Founding FUBU. It was just released last week. It tells this full story of how he went from a kid in Hollis, Queens to the founder of a $6 billion empire and now shares all of the business experiences and wild nights along the way. Thank you. I'm a fan of you guys. I'm watching the, the journey. It's, it's fascinating. Um, and, uh, you know, my wife's a fan of the show, so it is, oh, it is cool. a pleasure and an honor to be here. I, um, I'm, I'm curious because a lot of, I'm sure you've done a lot of podcasts and a lot of instructional stuff on like how to be an entrepreneur 101. What I've run into recently is a lot of people don't feel worthy. Um, they are just like, why me? You know, they might have a good idea. They might watch Shark Tank and think like, oh, like, I could do that, but they're just like, but I'm not worthy. Does that make sense? Like, did, how did you get over feeling like that? You know what? I can be successful. Like I can do this and why not me? Well, that's a good question. I don't think that, um, I think that as somebody like me, I even get to the point in my life now where I go, why I'm not worthy or why did some, why did, why was I fortunate enough to rise out of the circumstances I'm, I'm at and then I look and I see other people that did it so what's the difference between you know them or, or myself um, but you know it's a good question I think that that's the, probably the most challenging thing for people in their life I'm not worthy of love I'm not worthy of friendship I'm not worthy of this I'm not worthy of that and they've trained themselves and usually they train themselves to that because somebody else trained them they listen to somebody else so um, 
I usually do something like I, I do something called goal setting, which I, I've learned when I was 16 years old from Napoleon Hill's book Think and Grow Rich. And it's, it's these affirmations, these goals that I read every single morning when I wake up and every single night before I go to bed. And that kind of pushes a lot of the negative and the things out of my mind that I can't do because then before I go to bed, I'm filling my mind with what I will accomplish or what I'm going to attempt to accomplish. And it kind of puts the blinders on. Um, and listen, it, I started reading my goals when I was 18. I envisioned who I was by going to be by 29 or 30. And at 30, I had, uh, I had millions of dollars in the bank. I was a global brand. But between 16 to 27, I was broke. I was afraid. I was um, second-guessing myself. I wasn't doing the things I was supposed to do. But those goals slowly started to plant seeds. And I ended up being who I, I wanted to be. But it, it wasn't no straight path. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have, <clears throat> I mean, I, I face that negativity, I think, also in it too. Of, a lot of people want to make you feel guilty for having a side hustle or like two main hustles. And uh, I at least am trying to spread that message where, you know, it's okay to put that negative energy out there. Like you, it's okay to have a side hustle, like, because we get to see you on Shark Tank, but a lot of people don't get to see you when you were coming up. And so it's intimidating for a lot of people starting out, like when you started your beer or whatnot. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, one of the best things that you said was fear, right? You know, you know, maybe there's like a fear of, of like, okay, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here. And, and I mean, I believe in this, but let's hope that other people do as well. And other people is what makes it you know, successful. And so I think that, you know, the fear aspect of, of, of what you just said is like, it, it like, you know, kind of resonates because for, you know, for ages, for ages, I was like, well, I want to do this and I want to do that, but, but, but what if, and, and, and that what if is, uh, probably you know hinders a lot of people yeah but honestly i think it's different than it's okay to have a side hustle i think you must have a side hustle because the side hustle doesn't ever have to pay off you know but your side hustle is listen <clears throat> there is something in anything that you can consume you could sell and anything that you are doing on your off time for free you can get paid for doing it and I'm not saying that you have to, the problem with a lot of people is they believe somehow entrepreneurs like myself or you guys have it all figured out. <clears throat> we don't. We do the best we can do for ourselves today and then tomorrow and we do the best we can do for our customer tomorrow. Before you know it, you're Henry Ford, right? Or, you know, you're, you're somebody because it's not overnight. Um, and, and, and when I started making shirts and stuff like that, I got laughed at. Actually, I'm from the hip hop community. A lot of my friends were drug dealers and hip-hop artists. A hip-hop community, unfortunately, and now today, because of Chance the Rapper and various other people, it's not as bad, but it grew up being a very homophobic community. And 89, when my friends were going to sell drugs, I'm like, well, I'm not going to sell drugs, you know, or they were going to rap, and I was like, I'm not a rapper. And I would say, listen, I got a strawberry pattern at home. I'm going to go home and make some shirts and hats. They stopped talking to me because they were like, what's wrong with you? You know, and they were like, we're going out to go get girls and you out there trying to make strawberry patterns and hats. Well, guess what? I was able to go on the video set and I was able to meet the video vixens because I had the clothes for the video vixens. Hey, man, I think that you're resonating with Craig right now. Of what, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 1,000 percent, which is great. And ever, so did you sew yourself? Did you of course sew? I sewed myself. Yeah. I sewed myself and we have we have something similar. We have, you know, I had a girlfriend that I, I, I liked and she was cool and. Um, we lived together and I remember I wanted to borrow $800 from her because I had borrowed money from her before and I always paid her back with interest because I, I, I also had a small business, a little van operating business. And she said, 
another harebrained scheme of yours. And I said, yeah, because I wanted to borrow $800 for, for the first couple of hats for FUBU. Um, we're still friends. And I remember she went, came over uh, about 10 years after that, asked for the borrow. And I broke up with her. Um, I remember she came over to my office. And at that time, I owned three floors in the Empire State Building. And she looked around and she said, um, you still need that $800? Yeah. No. No, we're, we're good. Uh, we're good. Everyone listening, we're with Damon John. He has a brand new Audible original called Founding Fugu. Got to check it out. We love that he's here with us. Damon, did you have a team? Was, a, was finding a team part of your success or were you always just running by yourself? It was both. So I opened Fubu in 89. I closed it down three times from 89 to 92 because I ran out of money. And, I, and all the stuff is in the Audible original. Wow. Um, but then I found a team, my, my other three partners. Now, if you look at all the old Fubu stuff or even some of the new stuff, there's a big 05 because we always envisioned five of us like a, a boy band or whatever it is, right? And, um, yeah. and, and, and But to work with me, you know, you had to come in and, and I always tell people this, don't get married right away. Everybody has deliverables. And if you last around this amount of time or this, whatever. So we went through 10 of that fifth member. So there's 10 guys around there running around talking about I'm the fifth member of FUBU. Uh, it ended up being four of us. And then um, I wouldn't get public recognition until late 96, 97, where we ended up joining with another company who manufactured and distributed our clothes. And then we had a larger team. And then, I, you know, entrepreneurship is a team sport. You know, you're going to need licensees, licensors, manufacturers, vendors, retailers, advertisers, marketers, inside, externally. But it's a team sport. You are running around and, and trying to be the best you can with the best team around you, and you're switching people in and out uh, if, if they're not growing with you. Yeah, I fire Jerry every day, and it's fun. That's my, <laughs> my outlet. It's just yelling at Jerry every day. But Jerry's the reason that we make money, so it's great because right. I give everything away. Hey, Damon, a little bit of a fun question, though. Were you good at taking wins or not? Because, like, our wins, like, if we have a big day at the store that we have in Charleston, we go, my outlet is a nice dinner drink some nice wine, which I'm still learning what that is, and eat some good food. How, like, were you good at taking wins or did you not, did you not celebrate in the beginning? I believe today you should celebrate every milestone. We've realized over the last couple of years that life is too short and too delicate um, and celebrate that win with your family, personally, yourself, spiritually, whatever the case is. Um, I did not take a lot of wins earlier on when I was, uh, you know, coming up because, uh, you know, I just wanted to have a win every day or every other day. Uh, depending on the size of the win, um, I do go over in 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 the audible. Uh, one of my the time I did celebrate and have a win, it was when <clears throat> I really started making money and 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 we got into the Macy's windows, um, which as a designer, you know, that's the ultimate goal, right? Having yourself displayed on 34th Street, the best, store, the largest store in the world, Macy's. Everybody's walking by it. So I took all the money I had, not all the money I had. I took I took some money and I finally got. I never bought a new car before that. All my cars were, you know, 20 years old or 15 years old. And I bought a brand new Lexus, 360 or 380. I forgot the name of it, the, the name. And I bought the 80 CD disc changer. <laughs> and I pulled the car up half on the curve of, of Macy's right in front of the window. I opened up the 80, I opened up the trunk so every woman passing by knew that I had 80 CDs. At any time, I can play any one of these CDs for her. And I had a frosty, frosty 40 dog of old English and some fresh pork rinds. And I sat there with my buddy for about five hours. Five hours in front of the Macy's window. Talk this about is... a miracle on 34th, my friend. There you go. What, Just staring at him. How old were you when that was happening? Like, how old, like at 25? I, or I was, was 28. 
28. Oh, 28 um, at that time. Did you do a lot of your coming up, your your success, early successful year single, or did you have like partners during that time? I, w- I was, uh, no, I had my girlfriend who helped me in, not that other one, but the one who helped me in the early days. And we met at Red Lobster and, and now she's the, she's my ex-wife, but we have a great relationship and she, and um, raised my two beautiful girls. Uh, so from, I was, I was with her from 25 to around 33. 32 years old and then now I'm with my uh, my wife now that I think I've been with since uh, I was 37 or 38 no, I mean, so so to, to go back to you know you sitting in front of Macy's just a just kind of a follow-up question with that is that and then and then when you bought that car with 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 the 80 disc <laughs> CD changer which is outrageously amazing awesome. yeah let's be honest um, <laughs> Was that the first time, I guess, that like you sat back and said, like, holy shit, I, I like have kind of made it? Yeah, well, I was, was, yeah, but you know, I have a healthy paranoia. It wasn't like I kind of made it. I was like, this is too surreal. This is a dream. And I got back. I think I think I went into the office that day at 5 a.m., you know, because I had to work harder and stronger and faster to keep it up because knowing knowing the longevity or the lifespan of a, a hot clothing brand is, is five to seven years. You know, not, not like Louis Vuitton and Nike that are unicorns. Um, and I knew that I had to get back to work because I, I knew that everybody else was going to come after me and that if I, I couldn't rest at that moment. And I got one shot at this and I never thought I was going to get there and nobody's going to stop me. I think one of the most impressive things that I kind of look up to you for, I've listened to some of your podcasts and stuff, but the way that you were able to scale your business, because we've hit a successful like chapter in our business. And like the scaling thing, I think is the most complicated thing. And you didn't, was your, when you partnered with Samson textiles, is that where like you started to really start to scale bigger and larger? I just think that's a challenge. I, I don't know if it's the most interesting topic, but I think scaling is, is is tough like austin has his beer in a couple cities in south carolina right now but that's not big enough to become right yeah well it is you know scaling is difficult you have to find the right partners but often you don't scale until you figured it out in the market you're at so you know um when we when we really got established and really launched off the right way in 92 we busted our ass to be the best we could be to eight stores in new york city that was it eight stores in new york city because you have to think about this, you know, there's only three ways and I always tell people to deal with a customer, right? You either acquire a new one, you upsell a current one, or you make one buy more frequently. And it's very hard to acquire a new one. And a lot of people want to say, well, I'm all over the place, I'm international, I'm this and that. You got to figure out how to maximize that account that you have and make sure that when people come in, they ask for you by name and you want to know everything about your customer and you want to over provide for that real estate you currently have because then you're able to duplicate it around the country and around the world. But if, if you're fragmented going, this is how they, th- this is how they purchase in, in South Carolina. Uh, and let me, let me, let me get one in California and this and that. That's why scaling restaurants too is the same. They try to be in a regional area, very small where they can go five miles to each other one in surrounding areas so they can scale it after later on when they figure it out, they got all the bugs out of the system. They know how to replicate it. That's the most important part because then you can go to a, another distributor or a licensee, a licensor, or, you know, manufacturer and say, I'm giving you the blueprint to this. Now here, go do it. Um, so 
Never feel intimidated because you are over maximizing in a very small area. And once you do rock star numbers in a small area, people are going to line up to want to replicate it everywhere else. Yeah, it's brilliant advice. Yeah, Actually, that was amazing. To yeah. actual yeah. soul yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, I'm being totally honest, and you know, never would I, in the same breath, you know, compare my company to your company. But you but can. that's that's you know where I'm at. Where he's in eight um, stores. You know, I just pressure to that expand, way. Right, yeah. there's pressure to expand, and I'm like, I want to make sure that everything is in a row before I take that blueprint to another, you know, destination. You know, whether it be in North Carolina or Atlanta. And uh, so what you just said is speaking Yeah, you, you know what, what happened? We get intimidated by all the people showing their blue, their, their sizzle reel on social media. Oh, you know why I'm doing this? I'm doing that. I'm doing that. I mean, don't listen to anybody else. You know, be steady, um, be consistent, and don't be, you know, don't try to feel like you got to live up to everybody else's expectations because th they don't know. And it's really easy for people who are not in the business or not dealing with what you're doing every day going, why aren't you over there? You're not like, um, you know, you should. Every day. Every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every day. You know, All right. Well, well, then why don't you just shave your head uh, and, like, well, and you stick your it? tongue out and start dunking balls like Michael Jordan if it's that goddamn easy? It's not that easy. <laughs> and it's fun, but it's, it, and it's brilliant. And it's fun talking to you, Damon, because it you just you only see that stuff now, and so it's fun to talk to someone like you because you don't get that truth of what it takes to get to the pretty life. And like, well, let me of, let me ask some. Let's look at this. Mark Cuban, good friend of mine. He hit a massive oil well as a as a young entrepreneur. What else has he done? <laughs> it's not that easy. No, he yells at you on uh, Shark Tank. Yeah, he, he yells at me. He, he yells at me. He, he's done. He, he's done some great things. Don't get me wrong. And I and I look up to him. He's a mentor to me as well and somebody I value. But if we want to start saying, well, it's just that easy for everybody. Michael Jackson before he died was still looking for a hit. You know what I mean? It, it, it's just not that easy. Doesn't sound like you've taken your foot off the gas at all. No, like, no, no, not at all, not at all. I, but, but you know what I do? I, I have the opportunity to look at younger, uh, brighter, you know, men and women like yourself and other people, and say, I don't need to figure it all out myself. Let me find these guys that got a sock company called Bombas, and you know they don't go to retail, but they're going to be the number one product in Shark Tank history because they have a giveaway factor and a great sock, and they roll technology into socks, something that we all have, and let me invest in them because they're younger and smarter, have more energy, and they see the world a different way. So, But I still am excited about these things. Are you allowed to say a favorite product that you have, or you can give a few favorites that from Shark Tank that you've acquired? Yeah, no, of course. Like I said, Bomba Socks is, one, is my by far favorite because it has uh, the monetary reward is there, the bragging rights are there against other sharks, and they're giving to to those in need. So by far, they're the number one. But I, I got it's always the entrepreneurs. I like my sun stashes guys. They make they make these funny glasses, and uh, for kids and parents alone. Uh, uh, also, I got I got about ten. I can keep going on, but yeah, of course. It's hey, all the entrepreneurs I, that I love. So 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 here's a question on the other side of it, kind of like a one off. Are there any companies? products that you look back on that that you're like damn i wish i would have invested with that company well generally i say no um because we have a lot of opportunity and somebody else is coming through the door um the one that i can't say got away because even jamie the one the one that ended up not having an investment but they sold for 1.2 1.3 billion to amazon is oh jamie God. from from ring ring doorbell 
Um, yeah, that's he right. He was on Shark Tank. Yeah, I but he was kind that. of a. Di- he was kind of. It was weird. It was a weird one. It was. Yeah, and he said he said he was asking too much. So I still believe that he owes us money because he, <laughs> after we tenderized him so gently, he went out to the market and reduced his ask. So <laughs> yeah, he, he should was, give us a consulting fee. Wow. Um, but the other one that did get away from me because I bid it on it, and it's the second best-selling product in Shark Tank history. It's a stupid-ass looking little sponge called the Scrub Daddy, and it has a little smiley face, and Lori beat me out of it. So when I'm in the supermarket, and I'm walking by the thing that's smiling, smiling at me. It's amazing. 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 And that, and that, and that, one, that one I'm not happy about. Oh, that's funny. But that's, that's what, well, a, what it, a great place to be. If it makes you feel any better, I've never heard of Scrub Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> but we're going to see the smile. When I, know, I know. Now <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, do you guys... Uh, is produce I, I don't know what wall we can break with ABC, but um, we're NBC. But is production on the show like you get to be friends with your crew and like joke around a bunch on Shark Tank? Like it, it has to be a good time at least, like filming the show. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, but listen, we've been together thirteen years. The crew's been together there generally thirteen years. Um, but remember, we are not interacting too much with them because we're in this. You know, we shoot and we film. We film uh, two different pods, so one in generally June, one in September. Around 10 days in June, 10 days in September, those pitches are an hour long, and we are in those seats for 10 hours. We only get a 45-minute <laughs> break. It sounds like our reunion. Because like, I was yeah. watching, because I was and, watching yeah. and, and, uh, and I was like, okay, because you know, knowing kind of how things get cut and spliced and this and that, and, I, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, all of y'all's responses and, and, and I might be right, are just like so like, you know, clear and concise and like well, well thought out. And I'm like, are they really just like this you know, business savvy where it's like a one take and Damon is like, boom, boom, boom. This is what it is. Or, or you know, are y'all sitting like, OK, you know, now we're going to give like, you know, 20 minutes to you and 20 minutes to him and 20 minutes to her. No, no, there's no there's no. There's no rehearsal. There's no break. We don't know anything about them. We are, but you got to remember, it's 16 hours of footage because if it's, if it's one hour and 16 cameras are shooting us, we have all those angles. And um, no, that's it. Wow. You're, you're only seeing a small portion of it, and it's more real than actually what you see because we also can't rehearse for these things because we don't know anything about the companies, and it also cannot be scripted because let's say somebody. I mean, they would never do it, but let's say ABC says I have to invest in a company or something like that. I mean, you open yourself up for litigation of the company goes crazy, right? Um, so it's as real as it gets, and I think that's the secret to why the show the show lasts because it's our real money and we feel passionate about it, you know. And and as much as I like Barbara or Robert or or all the other guys, it's not if Barbara. I'm losing out on a deal, you're embarrassing me first of all on national television. Second of all, for some reason or another, that entrepreneur feels you're better than me. I don't care if you're a billionaire. I don't care who you are. You're not better than me because I'm bidding on it because obviously I feel I add value to it. Um, and then also, I'm, I'm potentially losing a, a profit on something that I can invest in. So it gets real and, and they capture it. That's just such an alpha no, I mean, mentality. Yeah, I love it. I love it's it. such an alpha like, mentality where it's like, no, no, no. Yes, <laughs> you're my friend, Mark, but no, this is, I'm bidding on this. How dare you try to outbid me? Damon, Damon, what was to take it way back, kind of? What was it like being in yeah, your twenties? Like, yeah, is, I'm sorry, that's right. We're getting like, excited. But what was it like being in your twenties? And you had a very success. Uh, success is relevant to everyone, right? So we might think your business was really successful. You might not have thought it at the time, but then you were in like the hip hop world. You were everywhere. Like, kind of, was it 
Did you get to have some fun, like entourage stuff? Oh, I had, no, I had, I had a lot of fun. That's why I said I have an ex-wife, right? <laughs> because, um, you know, I, I was 30 years old. I had a couple million in the bank. I had lots of millions in the bank. Um, I was world-recognized, and I was hanging out with Prince and Diddy LL and, cool and LL Cool J, you know, J and, and all these like. people, and I was traveling the world, um, um, you know, doing a lot of stuff. So I, I had a, I had an amazing, I mean, and I was doing it with my friends. I was doing it with my friends, and I hired everybody I could that I knew from high school that That's I could it. give a job to, and in Red Lobster, and and it was it was a great, great, great time. I just read on a. Uh... I, I mean, obviously we're fans of yours, but I read in our notes that you have an exhibit in the Smithsonian now. So congratulations. Yeah, that. that's pretty that. wild. Yeah, I just saw that in the notes. That's you cool. know, and, and that's a good, you know, I, I found out about it like a year before COVID happened and I haven't been able to get to the Smithsonian, but, you know, somebody said to me, you know, there is a FUBU exhibit there and you will be in, in the history books forever. And I just, I, I don't know if I can grasp that. I'm not a big museum guy. Um, but I think I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make it over there to see it. it it's I, I I don't know. It's, it's kind of daunting to think about. That. I mean, of our generation though, you were the kind of the first and main African American brand, weren't you? Like when you started Fubo, like I was I was so so we had one that that skyrocketed really quick and went down. Um, it was called Cross Colors that um, influenced me, and then there was another one called Call Kanai, and then we came after that. Um, after Call and I, and um, yeah, we, we were one of the first, as they would call it, streetwear brands. We call Levi's like the American Cowboy and us the American streetwear brand. It's cool. Hold on, it's Carl Kanai, it's literally in an Eminem song, I feel like. He's rapping and he's like talking about, you know, Carl Kanai on his like first album. Yeah. I remember, and and I was just like, what's what's you know, Carl? You see him? I'm wearing. He, I see him. He's wearing some Carl and I. You know yeah. that? Yeah. Yes. And I was like, what? And, and when you just said that, that's like that lyric just popped up in my head. That's amazing. The way I am, I think he's talking about Carl and I. Well, uh, I guess the last well, there's a million question, but yeah, million yeah, we'd love to. Have for but like everyone has their different drive. Like what? Like something that resonates with me is like I want to help people, so I want to make a fuck ton of money. So that I can give it away, kind of. Like, what was your, what was your driving force that, that kept you going? My driving force at first was revolting against a system that I felt did not appreciate young hip hop kids. It had nothing to do with color. Um, obviously, hip hop is a, is an art form that was basically created from young African Americans in the streets of New York. But you know, listen, I used to dress Beastie Boys. I dressed third base. I dressed, and I didn't. I didn't get to dress Eminem, but I think he's by far one of the my top five lyricists in history. So it didn't matter about the color. It was about the culture that I, I felt like designers were when we started becoming um, popular in regards to a community that were buying their clothes, Timberland and and Ralph Lauren and various other things. Many of those designers would make money off us and say that we don't like those people or we don't want those people or we don't want people wearing a pair of 36 pants when it's supposed to be size 32. But they didn't necessarily have empathy and want to understand a customer like us because maybe, maybe I wanted baggy pants because I was breakdancing. Maybe my brother gave me, and I'm, I'm an only child, but maybe my brother always gave me hand-me-downs and that's the only way I was gonna get a pair of pants or maybe I made an investment 
and I bought a pair of 36s because I knew I was growing and I never knew if I was ever gonna ever be able to afford another pair of your pants, but I saved up all my money for the whole year to buy one of your pair of pants and you just told me you don't like me. So it was really me revolting against the system initially and I found that there was a lot of people who else wanted to revolt against the system. They were of all colors and they felt whether economically they were revolting, whether it was like how the kids revolted against the uh, the, the stock market with Robin Hood and they said how dare you try to get in the middle of us and we're gonna show we're gonna we're gonna beat the shorts or whatever it is people wanted to revolt and then when I when I when I um as I was uh, what drove me later on was as FUBU was a success I also felt that people thought that I was a one-trick pony and that I would never do it again so more people start betting against you once you have a level of success because they want to prove themselves right that you would have never made it and then I had to do it again and now I think that what what drives my journey is being able to be one of those people that you see me on television and you say, he got left back, he's dyslexic, his father left when he was 12 years old, he didn't go to college, he had no money, he didn't have a famous last name. Well, I do have a famous last name, but if I, I, I call Elton John to tell him I'm his son, he's not going to believe me <laughs> for various reasons. And I, I, I want people to see me, no matter what their color, creed, or gender is, sexual preference, and say, if his dumb ass can make it, I can make it, you know? One of the deepest things that I've ever heard spoke. (laughs) You need your own podcast, which is Founding FUBU. Uh, That's right. You were talking about the dyslexia, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. You know, prior to you jumping on, it was something that I wanted to ask you about. Like, you know, what what was it like? I mean, not not like to be so general, you know, what was it like, you know, growing up with with dyslexia? Well, were you, did you know that you had it? it? Or you know, was it like a challenge for you to yeah. grow your company or, 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 or like, you know, was that any sort of hindrance for you? Because a so lot of people have dyslexia and they don't know they have it. And like, good point. I did not know I had it. Okay. Um, yeah. I only found out I had it after we started communicating with two way pagers and emails. So I only found out I had it right around 97, 98 because uh, when I started communicating through emails and two way pagers, uh, people would say, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> no so way. I write things backwards and upside down. Now, prior to that, remember, the only people that I ever wrote a letter to was, or wrote something to was obviously my teachers who were great and I did really bad and girlfriends. And now I know why a couple of them left me because they didn't know what <laughs> I was talking about. Um, but but I, I think, you know, the stats are, and I work with a lot of dyslexia, uh, uh, dyslexic programs, the stats are eight of the, eight of the 12 sharks are dyslexic. Um, 20% of, uh, the population is dyslexic. Um, Einstein was dyslexic. Uh, over 40% of entrepreneurs are dyslexic. It's just another way that we process information. Um, but I only say that to say that anybody has kids who are struggling in school. Dyslexia is not like ADD and ADHD where you can actually take a drug that helps it improve. And because the drug companies make money, they can give you more education on to spot ADD and ADHD. Dyslexia, if a kid suffers from dyslexia, it has to, they have to, process the information a different way. That means they have to actually take more schooling. Um, And if a kid is dyslexic, unfortunately, they can shy away because, you know, a a kid in the third grade, if they don't understand what's being written on the blackboard, they don't want to raise their hand and go, huh? Because kids are cruel. Kids are going to say, you dummy, you idiot. And as much as I talk about entrepreneurs and I talk about all the great people with dyslexia, there's a lot of uh, people who are in the wrong place because they shunned away from society. They did not have really great people who understood how to uh, retrain them or help them. And then somebody says, I don't think you're stupid. Why don't you stand on this corner here? 
and I'm going to show you how to make some money. Uh, so, so it's something that we should all think about addressing with our younger selves. And, and honestly, my daughter was dyslexic and she got herself expelled in school on purpose. And I didn't realize I was extremely hard on her uh, when she was by about the sixth grade. And then I realized I had to spot that she was dyslexic, but I was very, very hard on her for about a year, not realizing this. So it's something that we need to just pay attention to. And if you have a dyslexic kid, you know, or any, a kid with any learning challenges, you got to figure out how to solve it. No, of course. I, I mean, that's that's amazing. Well, that's the scary thing is that you're embarrassed to tell anyone. No, definitely. And so, I mean, like, recognizing it is tough. Yeah, you know, how many times, yeah. you know, did you, like, you know, refrain from asking the teacher something because you were well, like, oh, I, I was allowed to stand at my, I was allowed to stand at my desk. If I stood at my desk, then I was a good student. Yeah, if yeah. they made me sit down. You know, I mean, growing up with ADHD was, like, was hey, something that hey, both of us hey, dealt with. Yeah. Definitely. Let's just take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with Damon John. After investing in a comfortable mattress, which was one of the first things I did after purchasing my home and Austin did after moving into his, it would have been silly for us not to put as much thought and care as we did into our mattresses and into the sheets that we'd be sleeping on night after night. Bowen Branch started with a mission, produce the highest quality sheets on the market and make the world a better place in the process. Today, they're still the best choice for anyone who wants comfort that lasts and wants to help out the planet at the same time. Scott and Missy Tannen co-founded Bowl & Branch after being disappointed by hundreds of subpar linen options. Bowl & Branch manufacturing partners are family-owned businesses that share the same values and standards. Every part of the manufacturing process follows some of the most rigorous certifications and audits in the world set by Fairtrade and GOTS. To experience an entirely new standard of comfort, visit bowlandbranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets with promo code pillows and beer. That's bowlandbranch.com, B-O-L-L and branch.com, promo code pillows and beer. Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guy that helps you sleep, focus, act, and just be better in general? There is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life forever. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated. So, whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Recently, I was a little overwhelmed with the opening of my store and just, I don't know, I was going through a breakup and it was a little chaotic and I didn't know where to turn. So I, I looked at Headspace and Headspace really got me through it because it allowed me to focus and balance myself and learn how to channel those sad feelings that I was having Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash pillows. That's headspace.com slash pillows for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. So head to headspace.com slash pillows. H-E-A-D-S-P-A-C-E dot com slash pillows.
Well, uh, yeah, so we're uh, we're here with uh, Damon John, the uh, one of the stars of ABC Shark Tank. I watched Shark Tank for a long time, and I was just like, oh, if I'm not on Shark Tank, can I still do well with an idea? And we don't have to be too in detailed into this. It's just, do you have any advice for someone that does have that side hustle in their garage right now? They don't have a bid on Shark Tank right now. Do you have any advice for someone to like just make a sale or something when they're just, cause you were outside of the mall selling your, like that was your first table before you got ran off. So do you have any advice for those people just starting out? There's 40,000 applicants for Shark Tank a year and we only get, the sharks only see 120 and approximately only 80 make the deal, make, make the air. And out of the 80 that make the air, only probably about 40 or 50 make the deal. So that's, you, you're probably just as lucky hitting lotto. Uh, you shouldn't worry about Shark Tank or anything else. But I gotta say the key to success is first of all, you know, know your why, why are you doing it? Make sure you know your customer and be obsessed with your customer. Also, do it small. I started off with $40, you know? Um, and every person you'll see, Bill Gates or whoever else, started off with little to no money, right? Do it really small, but don't quit your day job either. But you have to sacrifice. Don't quit your day job so that you can do it longer, your day job, and that can help you, you know, through the bumps and the hurdles. Don't go out and spend a lot of money on thinking the money's gonna solve it. Money often highlights your weaknesses. If you have a bad conversion campaign and you're online and you think throwing another $10,000 at it, well then you got more of a crappy campaign that has less conversion. If you have, you know, if you decide, well, my first minimum order is I gotta buy, you know, uh, you know, a thousand units, but if the units didn't work out right and they're not great, well now you got a thousand crappy units in your garage. You gotta start out as small as possible. And sometimes it doesn't even mean making a product or a service. Sometimes it means asking people questions. What's keeping them up at night? Can I come up with something? And those are the things you gotta do and you gotta slowly figure it out. Real entrepreneurs, they act, they learn, and then they repeat. And I, there's I've a couple heard, books you can David, read. I've never heard anyone say that. I've never yeah. heard anyone say start small. And I think- well, Because I, everybody I, likes I, to tell you, burn the bridges and, and go hard, go balls to the wall. I'm doing yeah, this every day. No, yeah, you're not. Like, you're, like, you're not winning unless you're huge. Like I've never not actually said absolutely that. wrong. And the two books you can read, honestly, that I think will help is uh, one is not my own. One is uh, the Lean Startup. It's a really great book. Mine happens to be uh, the Power of Broke. And those are those are two books that you can read uh, where it comes comes uh, you know comes to basically trying to do it as small as possible. And 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 then you can recover if you fail when you do it small. Remember, I I, I closed Fubu oh. three times. <laughs> I love you it. can recover. Yeah, Austin's a, he's like a, he's a worry work. Oh, worry work. Yeah, a yeah. little bit. And, um, yeah. But you can recover, you know, but if you go out and you go out and you, and you, and you, 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 you use a, you know, you, you, you sell this and sell that, you use $200,000, well, I, and then, you know, and you, and you ruin your credit, you're done for seven years if you ruin your credit, you know, like, you can't do that. You got to start small. You'll fa if you're going to fail big, when you you fail small, start small. The John speaking to my yeah. soul. Damon, does your wife have any fan questions for us? Oh, just yeah. to give it, yeah. Like, or do you have any questions? From That's the a show? question that, that we were certainly going to get to, right? Because we've been drilling you. Because yeah, we have a. Do you want to ask us? As entrepreneurs, yeah, but. I would. I would, I would like to know what is what is the what is the toughest part about being an entrepreneur for both of you. For me, it was uh, my perfectionism and like OCD, and so. When I was starting my business before Jerry reached out to me, I had pillows made, but they weren't good enough. I had people trying to buy them from me. I didn't think they were good enough. Um, 
it was it was getting over that hump for me and finding a partner who was able to shift me away from my like obsession on it was good. So I, I think that was my my biggest hurdle in the beginning. Yeah, and uh, for me, I think that Craig has kind of hit on both of these things, right? Where I was like, why me, right? And why and why is my product gonna be good enough? And And I certainly had fear of going out on my own to try to create my own product. And I was like, what if you know, my peers you know, reject it? What if they make fun of it? What if they this? And so getting over that initial hump for me, I mean, you know, there are, there are many, many problems that you know, I encounter problems, every day. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, but... my UPC codes are wrong or, you know, my rap is too short. And, and, and I've encountered a lot of problems, you know, don't get me wrong. But the, the initial fear of thinking about what, what my peers would think and things of that nature was, was super tough for me. And that's why it took me until the age of 30 to even try to attempt something on my own. Well, I have one last question for you about it. So the whole world is watching you. So many people have said to don't do it. And then, you know, there, it doesn't normally pay off right away. It's a, it's an investment where you could have been doing, using your time for something else. Cause you get a lot of opportunities thrown at you in the position you're in. What happens if you fail? Both of you fail at the company. What do you do at this point after that? I mean, how are you going to be, how are you going to feel? People are going to be looking at you. They're going to be laughing or happy or other people will root for you. Definitely. What happens if you fail? So for me, getting bullied growing up prepared me for that. So it sucks to say that I feel fortunate to have been bullied because it was terrible, but I had to self-validate and I had to tell myself I was good enough in middle school and that's how I survived. And so now, <clears throat> you know, if I fail, I also hedged myself with law school. So I'm like, if I fail, I'm going to go work at a law firm. And I just right, always right. have like, no, I mean, but that is my answer. Right. I was like, I just... I put myself in a position where I can justify taking a risk because if I fail, I have a backup plan. Um, Excellent. So that's a true, that's a, no, no, that's totally. Yeah. So, so, and then I guess for me that what I was doing prior to, prior to becoming an entrepreneur was that I was working for, for, for other breweries in, in the alcohol game, mostly the beer game. And uh, when I kind of took on this, I had the mentality of like this, this will not fail and failure is not an option. No, but of course, what if failure could, could be an option. The question is, what if it fails? Yeah, Craig. Uh, what are you going to do if it all goes away? The show goes away tomorrow. I'm, I'm going to work for Craig. We don't have season <laughs> eight. Oh, yeah. All right, there we go. <laughs> Damon, did um, you ever mess with alcohol? Like, uh, I mean, invest business-wise, not did you drink I, I did. I, I, met, I, I did in a cognac earlier, and I'm actually through a negotiation with a great um, company today. I, I don't want to talk about it yet until the, until the ink is dry. But yeah, I, I, I love the alcohol brand, but I've helped launch a lot of alcohol because at a, at a certain point I was the one who would put all the products of brands such as myself, but everybody else in reality shows like the Kardashians or in, in all the hype William videos and all the videos that were out there. So I was placing at a, at a certain time around 400, um, uh, I, was, I, was, I was placing stuff in 400 brands and or, I mean, 400 videos and or brands per year from like 2000 to 2006. Just being around him, the alcohol industry seems stressful because <laughs> he it just has so many issues. I was like, pillows don't expire. So yeah. Yeah. Alcohol, alcohol is very tough. I see there's usually about, if you go to the, the, the bar show and all that, you usually see about 40 launches a year and everybody puts anywhere from one to $3 million behind each launch and they just disappear. But they don't have uh, 
they don't have uh, lead funnels like you have where you have a show, you have a, a, an audience invested in your progress. Um, and I think that that is the area where you are saving a lot because really the money that they spend in alcohol is the buybacks, is, the t is, is all the advertising and marketing, but you have a built-in audience that are, they're tuning in every week because they're wishing you well and they want to be part of your journey and feel like they're part of your journey. No, definitely. Um, you know, and, and, and I know that both of us do not overlook that fact whatsoever and are super thankful and, <clears throat> I, I and say to everyone. Last question. Who supports us. Yes. Mine would be, who is your biggest hater? You don't have to say name-wise, but like, who is working against you? Like, when you think of like a, does that make sense? Like, my biggest hater is like a guy on the show. He's an asshole to me. <laughs> but I'm saying like, did you have don't a hater? On him, man. No, but like, don't did you have a hater growing up? Or was it just people doubted me? Like, you're too ambitious. Like, you you're never going to make it. No, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know the biggest, I didn't know who the haters were. The generally the haters are generally the haters are people who want to be you. Um, and a lot of times the haters are extremely close to you. You see, the only ones that can hurt you generally are, are the ones that are close to you and they have an in, um, and they have alternative motives to be around. So you don't necessarily know the degree that of the haters around you. Um, not saying that all, all are like that, but they usually, those are the, those are people, you know, so, but I just don't pay attention to them. I just say, you know, listen, also, you know, the hater from the outside is usually a big advocate. The hater from the outside, if that person's an asshole anyway, or whatever the case is, when they're talking about people, people know who they are and they go, oh, this is who they hate. Let me go check out who they hate because this person always is talking about somebody. So yeah, I call yeah. the haters on the external haters. I call them cheerleaders with dirty pom poms. Uh, uh, you know, really the inside ones, you the ones you got to watch out for, you know? See, it, it's funny that, you know, you say that because obviously, you know, being on this platform, et cetera, et cetera. If, if there's a hater and sometimes I will confront them and then they immediately are like, no, 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 Austin, I'm totally, you know, rooting for you. And I'm sorry that I said that. And, and, and it's funny because I'm like, well, then why go out of your way to say something negative? And then when I call you out on it, then immediately you flip your tune. You're like, no, 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 I'm a big fan. I really want to see you do well. And uh, it's, it, it's kind of interesting. How, you got to, you listen, you got to hold, you got to hold those haters so close to your bosom. You got to say to them something like, they'd be like, oh, so, you know, I, you know, they'd be like, yeah, that's a stupid ass shirt. And you'd be like, because you weren't around to consult me on the on a shirt. What what type of shirt do you think I would look good in? And then right. all of right. a sudden, I'm Austin's stylist. Yeah. Don't you dare talk about Austin. You gotta you gotta <laughs> give them some love. No, true. Definitely true. That's that's uh, good. And then the only people that can hurt you are are, are the people that are close, close to you. And the that, ones that yeah. you give the power to do that. Um as as we know, um, you have a new Audible project called called Founding Fubu, and 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 we want to hear about it, and we know that you, you want people to uh, tune into it and and to listen. So so basically, what what can you tease to us, and what do you feel comfortable kind of telling us about your project? Because it's an original podcast that you're doing, correct? Yeah, so it's an original podcast, and I, it's not a podcast; it's an Audible original. So usually, Audible has uh you know great great things that you hear and it comes out because somebody wrote a book and this is the audible version of the book there is no book to this this is purely audio and this has a lot of production behind it music and various other things but it's all the stories that i've told and i have not told about me coming up in the industry and founding fubu uh stories that uh people will never realize people things like 
when I'm doing 300 and 350 million dollars a year and I tried to get away from a bunch of drug dealers on the streets because I didn't want to sell drugs um, and I thought that they were evil. Well, when you're doing 300 million dollars a year, the bad boys and girls in the industry are not drug dealers. They, they try to find ways, whether it's the mafia, whether it's the Yakuza, whether it's uh, people exploiting you from stores. I mean, think about it like this. Does anybody think that if somebody's getting employed and they're making $80,000 a year to buy your goods for a department store and, you are give, and they are giving you $10 million worth of orders, they want to get paid. They're only getting paid $80,000. So you better have a nice new Benz show up at their house or something has to happen. Uh, Were you always a storyteller? Because I'm, I would listen to you tell these stories. <laughs> and that's what I'm doing. You listen or, or like, <laughs> listen, having the fun nights of FUBU when I was sponsoring Lennox Lewis and I go to a party and Mike Tyson finds out and he pokes me in my chest. I still got a hole in my chest and he's, and he's, and my bodyguard who was his old bodyguard said, I've seen that look at Mike Tyson's face before. He's going to knock you out. We better leave right now. So, so I leave and all of a sudden, you know, five months later, I'm on a, I'm on a red eye flight from Vegas, a trade show. And guess who sits next to me? Oh boy. And he didn't even realize it was me, Mike Tyson. And he went to sleep. And you know what? I got to tell you for five hours, he had a a drink that was sitting right in between us for five hours on a, I was on a plane trying to spit in his drink, but I kept thinking that he was going to wake up. And uh, there was there would be no place to go at that point. So, a um, lot of stories, a lot of lot of crazy stories. Th- first things I bought. Can on Audible. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna listen to all advise, of these stories. Yeah, I, I would advise heavily against yeah. trying to spit an iron mic drink on, yeah. on an airplane. <laughs> but you know, a lot of people are gonna have a lot of fun stories, but they're also gonna learn from my failures and learn from my successes, be able to apply it to themselves, but also say. A lot of shit goes on behind the scenes of when there's a lot of money being made one way or another, you know? Why did you have a body? You you let this slip. Why did you have a bodyguard, though? Because he was killing it. Because he was... Well, I had a body... Listen, great question, right? I'm in the middle of an East Coast, West Coast battle between Suge Knight and Puffy. I'm wearing a half a million dollars worth of jewelry. You You couldn't be a rapper on East Coast, but I'm dressing all the rappers. So what do I do? I throw a party in LA. There's Lennox Lewis. I throw a party for him. Puffy and everybody from the East Coast is there. Suge Knight wants to come to the party. And now I got to tell Suge Knight that he can't come. And now he has 20 guys. I got to have 20 guys. And I got to stop because I'm throwing a FUBU party. So FUBU's known for the great things it's doing and, you know, go viral before viral is existing. But if somebody gets shot and killed at the FUBU party, it probably is not going to be beneficial. So it's pretty hard to walk around when you have drug dealers who find out you got $300 million a year going through it. You got East Coast, West Coast going on. And sometimes my bodyguard was there to protect me against myself. Yeah, you mean I can buy everybody? Drug dealers. Like you say drug dealers, but they're not want to be drug dealers. You're saying like there was... No, I'm talking plan. about people who... Yeah, I'm talking about real drug dealers. Yeah, real players in the game. Like real guys. There you go. Hey. Yeah, so what if a bodyguard? You should have five bodyguards. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm, I'm going to run through some things here. Um, what, was there anything that you can think of that, that didn't make the project that, that you wish did? What project? No, you know, because, you know, I, I spoke for about eight hours on it, and I think that um, they drilled it down really nicely to pull that. Because when you do this project, a project like this is the first time I ever did this, um, it's not like you just have the script and you just go across a whole script. You're, you're talking freely 
And, you know, they're like, all right, so now let's go on and drill deeper on this. They're pulling out all the diamonds, and, and that's what I love about it. That's great. They're not wasting anybody's time here, so you don't got to listen for eight hours. You listen for where there's real value. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think anyone's be wasting time listening to these stories. Like, no, I, I mean, I'm going to be it. I'm, we're like, big Audible fans now to listen to these stories. Um, okay. It, you know, this is... This is kind of a question where I think that that any successful person doesn't doesn't really have you know regret. But is there anything that 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 you could go back and maybe you know change something in in you know your history of your company or, or you know that that you would do differently? I only have one regret. I was um, we were opening stores in South Africa. My my other three partners went out to South Africa to open the stores. I um I decided to. Uh, stay in New York or I had to go to a trade show. And I said, I don't feel like going to South Africa. First of all, they told me I had to get all these kind of needles in my stomach or I don't know what was happening. Um, and then when I, they go to South Africa and Mandela finds out there in South Africa and he calls my guys to meet him. And um, I, I, I regret not meeting uh, Nelson Mandela. That and the wow. sponge and the sponge face in the grocery store. That Nelson Mandela. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Are these for the project? You know, this is, yeah, well, this well, is kind of for the project. Well, yeah. I mean, for you, Damon, like, what would you like to promote on here? Because we will edit all this for you, like, too. But, like, do you have anything that you want to talk about? Or, yeah, you know, anything that, you know, we haven't yeah. asked you that, that, you know, you'd like to promote about, you know, founding FUBU and, and anything else, really? No, I think it's all there. I think that it's, it's a great project I'm really excited about. I think that um, it's time that I can tell the story without hurting any, any people involved. Um, and, um, I think a lot of people will learn from it, but they'll they'll be able to really sit back and enjoy and, and just have a good time and just just be able to understand where that guy on Shark Tank really came from, what I went what I went through, and how they can relate to it. Did when you were telling these stories and the guys would like light up and smile in the production room, did that keep you going? Because like, oh, I just told a good story. Like you see them smiling. No, like, you know they went they wouldn't say anything, but you know later on uh, during like the next time the next session they would say man, this is really good. We're having a good thing. We're excited about it. And, um, you know, in Hollywood, you're used to that, right? You guys know that, right? It's kind of like, oh, that was a great take. All right, let's do it again. Oh, my gosh. Craig and I you, you know, but but they didn't ask me to do it again. Yeah, they would just say, it's actually great. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, I, I mean, man, this is like a blanket question. And, and, like, I want to throw it out there. You know, do you think that, you know, you lost any, like, friends or family or whatever due to your astronomical success yeah i've lost plenty i've lost plenty um honestly i gotta tell you you know with covid it is it, crazy i lost i lost them due to other reasons with covid I, I've, I've now through either myself or uh friends of friends uh due to covid i've lost 70 people in the last two years 70 um, wow seven zero I'm, I'm i have i have three friends right now on on the on the deathbed for can, uh, cancer and in hospices so I've lost plenty, plenty of friends there. I mean, you know, a lot of Bismarck was a friend. Um, Prince Marky D was a friend. A lot of them as well, right? That you may already know of. Um, but through history, I have lost a lot of friends. But I, I not, I don't, I didn't necessarily lose them. Sometimes I cut them off. You know, every year, I analyze myself and I analyze who I'm around, and I analyze my friends. Yeah, and I, I cut off certain ones um, because I realize over the years, whether it's five, ten, or twenty years, I'm 52 right now. Um, it's like you haven't you're never you you're not a good friend to yourself so you'll never know how to be a good friend to me and i think that there's a lot of other people that i have held 
or pushed out of my or not let in my life because I only have limited time and other people need to be able to enjoy my love or value or trust and I need to be able to involve and love you know love what they have to offer um so I probably cut off a, I probably lost a lost a cut off of probably about 30 about 25 friends in my life wow so it's important yeah, do you, it's important do you think that you know keeping your circle small is important including family listen all of us right now watching or listening we have toxic family members we have toxic friends and we feel that somehow either we have pity on them we make excuses for how they are sooner or later they're going to change oh my god i did this in the back and i got to pay for it forever no you don't no you don't they'll be okay <laughs> you know well, you got to worry about yourself you know stop playing the violin for everybody worry about yourself if you truly want to care and love for them then you're giving unconditionally you don't expect nothing from it but if you feel like there is a symbiotic relationship that you have with them and they are always the problem or they always have an issue move on go enjoy life life is too short didn't we learn that the last two years life is way too short we're yeah. sorry for taking it was a great hour no, it was great so much and, uh, for- David, you're really good at that. You do that a lot. I'm just saying, like, that was no wonder Audible sure gave you a thing. Like, you, that was good. <laughs> well, much more, wishing you much more success. I know we'll be in touch, man. And um, all the best to you guys. I will. Okay. Thank Thanks you. so much. Thanks, guys. Peace. Welcome back to this episode of Pillars and Beer, where we just had the amazing honor of interviewing one of our idols, Damon John. I mean, what do you think, Austin? I'm sitting here in awe because I know that there were several times when you and I kind of laughed because he was speaking like directly to us. What about when he was like, well, man, you know, I was sitting at home, like, you know, sewing, um, you know, hearts on, on to so-and-so, you know, and all my friends were like, what in the hell are you doing? And I was like, looking at you like, dude, he's speaking directly to you. This is crazy. That was was pretty uh, amazing. He's like, yeah, I was sitting around sewing. All my friends were making fun of me being like, what are you doing? And I was like, we're like, oh, well, that was Craig's path. And then he was like, focus on, you know, what you're good at and focus on cornering your little like, you know, small market at home. And basically then started to talk about your beer company, how, you know, there's a lot of pressure on you to expand and everyone's like, well, you're not successful if you're not all over the country. And he's like, well, you are. You can be successful in Charleston first. And uh, when and like when he said that, you know, you know that I was just like, oh, my gosh. It's like, Damon, you're speaking to both of us, man. So so it was it was great. Honestly, I'm going to tell my parents to listen to this, too. I know that you are as well. And I'm yeah, like, that, I don't I, think my parents really listen to our podcast. I know yours does. But for this one, I'm going to be like, guys, this was really cool and special. Yeah, I just think that um, him being able to come on and, and, and really just be like a relatable guy. I well, mean, that, he really yeah. is a relatable guy. And for him to talk about the things that I feel that, that, that you and I have gone through and are going through, it's like, this, this is it. I mean, I get it. I get what you're saying. This is amazing. So I think a lot of our listeners will be able to relate to like, that's the thing is you're like, well, how are we going to be relatable to this billionaire? And it's like, no, like he like he won made super related made me feel better about myself and i know he made you feel better too and um yeah i mean just i you know the, the thing this is my biggest disappointment austin is that we can't go hang out with him like right now because i was like man i really want to be like i feel right. like we're all buddies now and i just want to have a drink and like hang you know yeah and then and then you know you realize it's like okay you know guys gotta run you know because i have a million things to do because i'm 
a business mogul and we're like, yes, yes, of course, you know, <laughs> thank you for taking the time to speak with us. And, and, you know, but <clears throat> once again, he, he had us or, or like we had him for, you know, that time and he in no way, shape or form, you know, made us feel like, okay, guys, you know, got to run. It, it was just, it was oh, great. No, it was just fun. And, um, <clears throat> I mean, how special and it, it and that's what, we're going to continue to try to do with this podcast is, I mean, we've got a, a wider range and like the spectrum of guests we've had are all over the place from like alien talk with Spidey and then, you know, Jack Matrani and, um, and, uh, Scotty, oh, Scotty, yeah, like snowboarders. I mean, we've been all over the board and then we have our Bravo celebrities obviously. And, um, yeah, I just, I'm, it's cool. I just, it's cool, man, because, because as, as you said before, as you said last week, Damon's kind of the first guy that we didn't really have a relationship with. So we were, you know, kind of going into this blind, you know, other than knowing about him and um, researching him, you know, we didn't have a uh, rapport, but he made it, he made it easy as hell. And I, I think that there's a lot of, you know, value in things that he said to us and things that, you know, y'all should, should be able to take something from. Let's yeah, say. I, I think so. I think a lot of his, you know, a lot of what he was talking about, isn't like, you know, can be applied to someone just starting out. You know, you don't have to be like have a huge business to really use what he told us. So the bar has been set. I think we it'll be fun to challenge ourselves to see who else, you know, who who we can get in, you know, the next few weeks and months and uh, continue to grow this thing and continue Absolutely. to provide our listeners with, you know, something new every week. That's right. So honestly, that's uh, this week's episode of Pillows and Beer with very special guests and, and a big thanks to our new friend, Damon John. And uh, we hope that y'all enjoy it as much as we, as much as we did. Um, and until next week. Yeah, Craig. Yeah. I think that was perfectly said. We'll see you guys next week.